0: listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at your castle real estate.
1: Hey, Colorado Springs, Chris Lopez here and Jenny Bayless to do a deal analysis but not the typical deal analysis we have been doing. This will actually be a return on equity analysis on one of Jenny's properties. So you often hear us talk about deal analyses where we analyze a recent rental property that either one of us or our clients have purchased. Now what the return on equity analysis is, it's a way to measure the property's performance and also how much return you're making on the equity on the property after owning the property for a couple of years to longer? Because after you've owned a property for a few years, using that initial analysis for when you bought it is not the best way to analyze a property. So Janae and I have talked about this a lot because we have lots of clients saying, hey, I've had this rental for three, five, seven years or this property for this long. What should I do with it? Should I keep it? Should I sell it? Should I pull out cash? And this is exactly what the return on equity analysis uh, does as well. And Jenny, you were gracious enough to put on one of your properties. So is this a property you're doing just for the sake of the podcast or are you actually considering to make some moves with it? Uh,
0: Mostly for the sake of the podcast, because you know, in the back of my mind, I've thought, hey, there's probably a good amount of equity in this property. I should just kind of see what my options are. Um, Personally, this is a super simple property that we've bought. I probably spend on average like five minutes a month on this thing. Um, So it's really easy for me to just leave it be, but I should probably be more active in uh, understanding what my options are.
1: Okay. So this is a 1970s detached single-family residence in Central Colorado Springs with three beds and one bath and a one car garage. What did you purchase it for?
0: 110,000.
1: And when was that? Uh,
0: 2017.
1: And then just for simple tax stuff, we'll kind of keep it at 78% for structural value or for improvement value. Yep. Okay, tax rate will keep at 25%. These numbers just help calculate some depreciation benefits. Now, okay, you bought this about four years ago. What do you think it's worth today?
0: So, in its current state, I could probably sell it for 230, 240 uh, with the market the way that it is. If I were to put about fifteen to 20,000 worth of cosmetic rehab, I think I could probably get north of 280.
1: Okay. So, sell that as is between 230 and 240. So, how about we split the difference at 235? Sounds good. Okay. And then we'll come back and actually run a scenario of if Jenny were to sell it, I mean, spending fifteen dollars to $20,000 to make an extra $40,000, I <laughs> I will give you it. a $1 bill to get back a $2 bill all day long, Jenny, if you ever want to yep. <laughs> bring a couple of briefcases together. Um, so we'll run it at two thirty five dollars today. What's your loan balance? $116,000. So you must have refied this at some point because your loan balance yeah. is higher than your original purchase price.
0: Yeah, we did a burr once upon a time on this one.
1: Okay, and what is your your monthly or annual rent?
0: Uh, 1100 a month, so it's well below market value.
1: Okay, so that what, what is market rent?
0: Ooh, so if we were to put that rehab amount in there, I would probably say 1450 a month.
1: What about with no rehab?
0: Uh, probably 12 to
1: 1250. Okay. So we'll say 1250. So I think for the sake of this, to kind of keep it, um, a better analysis is I'm going to bump up this to that 1250 market rent for as is that way we can kind of get, because I mean, whenever the leases turn up, whether it's a month or six months, I'm assuming you could bump it up to market rent at that 12, 12
0: 1250. Sure. (laughs)
1: Is that a reasonable, uh, reasonable yeah. assumption? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we'll yeah. come back. We'll change the higher numbers with the improved on there. So vacancy, we'll say 3% property yeah, taxes. Actually,
0: well, I don't know if this matters for, for your analysis. Um, you know, I think 3% is, is good for uh, long-term analysis, the city as a whole, but on this particular property specifically, we've had zero vacancy because it's been the same tenant the entire time. So I don't know if that matters for this purpose.
1: Um, I tend to like to run it at like kind of like more n- normal numbers. Okay. Because as we compare that with like the options on, it, we try to kind of keep it apples to apples. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really thought about that. What about property taxes? Six hundred a year. Six hundred a year. Insurance. Nine
0: hundred a year. Nine
1: hundred. Property management is zero, right? Correct. Okay. Now, this is another one we can delete on the spreadsheet. Oh, and I forgot to mention, so this would have helped if I said this five minutes ago, we are currently uh, have up on the screen our return on equity analysis spreadsheet. I've used this in numerous podcasts and blog posts. Uh, Jenny's used it with our clients as well. So it's a great spreadsheet we've put together to help run analyses. So this is something that you can come to your screen to view it, or also we'll put in the blog post and describe it as we plug it in as well. But that's actually what we're typing into. So for repair, pa- repairs and reserves, I'm running at what, 5%, 8%? What do you like?
0: I mean, I think eight percent is fair. Uh, in actuality, this particular home has been a lot less, but I think eight. If we're if we're doing it as a uh, overall percentage, yeah. I think we should do eight.
1: Because I mean, eventually, over the 10, 20 year period, we should probably see averages like you know like we're putting on here. Yeah. Um, and are there any other expenses that we need to put into here? No. Okay. So, your for your financing, what is your current interest rate? Okay. And then your annual mortgage payment or your monthly mortgage payment.
0: Yeah. 600 a month.
1: 600 a month. And how much about that do you think goes towards debt pay down?
0: 175 ish.
1: Okay. And we'll just keep appreciation at 3%. Again, that mm-hmm. way, if we keep this at 3%, the other properties we, we model will keep at 3% as well, just kind of keep things uh, apples to apples. Sounds good. Now, for the cash out refi, you know, we've got a term in here that we often don't talk about, Jenny, which is this uh, debt coverage ratio, which is more of a commercial you know, lending term that commercial lenders use. But the reason we put this in here is because what we've seen for a lot of properties up and down the front range is that when properties appreciate a lot, like, hey, if this property goes up in value $150,000, but rents have gone up $100 a month, the rents have not paced with appreciation. So if you do a maximum cash out refi, you could potentially have a negative cash flowing property. And it's more about, hey, we know that's a realistic scenario, so we put this max debt coverage ratio, and here's a rule of thumb, so that way you can re- we can run a scenario so we can find like a safe refi amount. Because if you do a maximum cash refi and you're negative $5,000 a year in cash flow, you may want you may not want to do a 75% loan to value. You may be like, hey, where can I safely have enough cash coming in to pay all the bills? And so we choose hundred, 125%, which means that for every dollar a debt, of new debt that Jenny could potentially take on, She'll have a dollar twenty-five, a dollar and twenty-five cents in net operating income. So there'll be an extra twenty-five cents over every dollar of debt. So for cash-out refis on investment properties, about four to five is what I've heard most recently. Do you have a? a more, this is about a week ago. I've heard this, Jenny.
0: I don't have any other numbers okay. for that. So, thirty-year term
1: for a cash-out refi, and then for refi costs, this is just points. There's always some costs on there, but with that Fannie and Freddie update they did a couple months ago, we're definitely seeing a bigger, uh, you know, increase in fees. So it's more around like three percent and or three points right now. And if you were to sell it as is, we'll just assume a six percent transaction cost to sell it. Okay. Now for the new rental assumptions, what would you call a new like market cap rate property? And again, this is assuming to keep it very simple and apples to apples, keep it simple up here. So what's the cap rate for a property? You've run at 8% repairs. And again, you're self-managing at 0% property management.
0: Okay. So if we were to account for Mia self-managing it, I would probably aim for high force, um on that, because I would probably just want to swap it into another single-family home. Um, so I would say 4, 4.85, maybe. 4.85,
1: okay. And then down payment, 25%. Sounds good, yeah. Interest rate, I mean, you're probably around, what, the 4% mark?
0: Yeah, I've seen some 3.875s this week, but we Actually, can you four know four on the same side.
1: You're right, so I've got the same... When I got the lending numbers in the refi, I was told 25% down would be 3.875. With a two with two points in you know purchasing or buy down. 30-year terms, we'll assume appreciations at 3% and taxes are the same. So I'm gonna zoom in on here and go to the summary tab now. And what this page does is this lays out all the options of what we can look at on the property. So it has four categories. The first one is keep it, which means if Jenny does nothing, how does the property perform? So with our assumptions we put in there, which are higher than your actuals, you're cash flowing about 4,600 bucks a year and your total return for everything for the four ways you make money is about $15,000 a year. So divide that by your equity, you're at about 12% return on your equity. So 12% on that locked in money on your property in there. Now, if you do a maximum cash out refinance, you know, as much as you can up to that 75% loan to value ratio, and is that what you would do it towards is like 75% LTV?
0: I would, yeah. yeah. So you actually,
1: be this would actually be cash flow positive about 1500 bucks a year. Your total return would actually drop to, $12,000 a year, but here's where it gets interesting. Your return on equity actually goes up 21%. And that's because rather than having, you know, whatever, a hundred some thousand dollars in equity on here, you have a lot less on the refi. So you have, you have a smaller amount of capital in the property. So therefore you're getting a bigger return. Mm-hmm. So if that confuses anyone out there, think about a basic fraction. If you have a hundred on the bottom and it's a 50 up above, you're gonna have fifty uh, percent. If it's fifty on the bottom and fifty above, you're gonna have a higher return. So even though it's the same number, you have a higher percentage. With all that, you'll be at like fifty-five thousand dollars in cash out equity. It says you'd be like hundred and fifteen percent DSCR for your debt coverage ratio, but if you're cash flow positive, I don't know I'd be fine with that. Would you?
0: Yeah, I would if uh. I could find something better to put that 55k that I pulled out into for sure.
1: So if we did a safe refinance which the spreadsheet automatically runs and this was going to take out less money to keep in more equity you'd be cash flowing about 2400 dollars a year but taking out about 40 or you have about forty thousand dollars in cash flow. So is the extra fifteen thousand uh, dollars fifteen thousand dollars in equity worth a difference of a thousand bucks a year I'd say so. I would too. So <laughs> that option two way, the max refi. And then the, th- the last option is sell it. If you were to sell it, what would you do? Well, you'd be making zero money from the property because you sold it. But after all the costs and everything, you'd have about $105,000 in proceeds from your property. And then kind of going forward down below, we are assuming that we're not assuming tax consequences on here. So I'm assuming you would do a 1031 exchange, right? Yes. So hopefully we would avoid capital gains now and defer those. But then scrolling down this next section, you're going to get to what happens when you buy the new rental property. And so all this does it says, hey, you've got this cash, 55,000, 41,000 or 105,000 from those three scenarios and it basically divides it by the cap rate of 4.85% at a 25% down payment, I'm sorry, a 25% down payment divides it by to figure out how much property you can buy. Let me repeat that, I said that incorrectly. Divides it by the down payment, not the cap rate, to figure out the purchase price. So it's a very simple, um, you know, analysis of saying, hey, you're taking all this money and you're buying one property with the proceeds. So it gives you a good ballpark. So the maximum cash out refi would allow you to buy about $220,000 in a new property the lower refi, we be got 165000 And the selling in 1031 would be about $420,000.
0: Could we try um, doing 80% LTV on the new property just to see how those
1: numbers change? Sure. Let me take a screenshot of this. So we're going to go back and change the down payment to 20%.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then now... We are seeing, and my screenshot disappeared. Read those numbers off while I find the screenshot, Jenny.
0: (laughs) So with 20% down for the max refi, about $275,000 purchase price compared to with the 25% down, $220,000 purchase price. So that's more in line with what we're seeing um, as potential purchase prices for a single-family home in this market right now. Um, for the safe refi, we're looking at a purchase price of about two hundred six thousand versus with twenty five percent down, one hundred sixty five thousand. Probably not going to find that anywhere around here. Um, and then for sell it, that gives you quite a bit of latitude. Purchase price of a hundred, oh, excuse me, five hundred twenty five thousand for twenty percent down, and with twenty five percent down, four hundred twenty thousand.
1: So with a uh, lower down payment you actually increase your buying power by about $100,000. That's pretty good. So then it calculates the net operating income and it basically just takes the purchase price, times it by the cap rate to get the net, net operating income. And then it takes out the the mortgage debt and then it calculates the four returns on the property. cash flow, appreciation, debt pay down, um, all of that stuff. So on the first scenario of keep it, it's all zeros because you've sold that property, so now you have nothing in that. But on the new property, you'd be making about $1,000 a year in cash flow or about $15,000 on the new rental. And your uh, return on investment is about 28%. Your cash flow on the safe refi is about 800. Your new return rental is about 12,000. And on the sell it model, the sell it in 1031, you're about $2,000 a year in cash flow and your new rental would be about $30,000 a year in total return. So all together about 28% return on your money. And then moving down to this last section, this is where it adds the two scenarios together. If you keep the current property and then the new property you buy. So this gets interesting here. So in the keep it scenario, it says this will give you the best cash flow if you actually don't sell the property.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you'd be making about that $4,500 a year in cash flow, and your total return would be about 14500 So, it's the same numbers as if you did nothing with a property. Now, looking at the other two, the max refi gives you about $2,500 a year in cumulative cash flow. And that's saying, hey, here's the cash flow from the new rental plus the cash flow from the existing property once we put the new debt on there. The safe refi would give you about 3,000 in total cash flow. Now the sell it and 1031 model would give you about 2,000 in Q of cash flow, but your total overall return would be about30,000 dollars. So the spreadsheet's highlighting a cash flow in scenario one of keep it of 4,500, but highlighting the scenario of sell it for your total return about30,000 dollars. So no clear winner on here in what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, it's, I guess it's just a matter of what's more important to me at this point. Is it, is it the cash flow, in which case just, you know, leave everything as is? Or do I want to kind of tap into some of the other benefits that real estate can offer? Um, I, you know, if we scroll up a little bit, I have to imagine that the majority of that 30,000 um, return is probably that pay down. Um, yep, appreciation. So, yeah it's uh it it, i think at this point it comes down to really personal preference there's no right answer to it
1: and let's here's where we can play some scenarios on here because there's a couple scenarios i want to play in the next 15 minutes we have on this podcast so before we go back and actually increase the value of the property by doing those improvements or the Mm -hmm. the cosmetic rehab you said the market cap rate for a similar single-family home is 4.85
0: yeah. What if would... you can get a single family home for close to five with PM, that's pretty much a home run in this market.
1: Well, with this, does this cap rate include a PM fee in here?
0: It does not, but yeah. I was assuming that I'm kind of upgrading uh, in terms of you know quality of the house as well. So assuming a lower return in that regard.
1: So what's the higher cash flowing property, a multifamily down
0: there? At this point, probably, probably a townhome. I think is probably the sweet spot. Uh, I would say in terms of cash flow right now.
1: What would the cap rate of a townhome be in May of twenty twenty one? That you self manage. Uh,
0: I think we could probably do like five point two. We can do that. All right, that's safe.
1: Five point two. We'll keep 20% down payment since you can do it on a townhome. So we increase the cap rate by about four tenths of a point, which means that the property you're now buying is going to be a better rental. So you're still going to get better cash flow than the keep it model, but now the sell it and 1031 trade up, your cash flow is now close to $3,800. So it's a lot closer to the keep it scenario, but you're making an overall higher return. So this would be mm-hmm. buying, what if you had 520. $5,000. This is two or three townhomes down there, right?
0: Yeah, two townhomes.
1: Two townhomes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you find about a higher cap rate property, this now you're making better cash flow from selling it. Yeah. Would that change you? An extra $2,000 here in cash flow?
0: <laughs> For the amount of effort, I don't know. I think it's yeah. really borderline. Um, just because, like what I mentioned earlier, I mean, this property that we you know, currently own is such a set it and forget it. I hardly remember that we have it most of the time. It's so easy. Um, so yeah, I think that the, the difference would have to be a little bit more substantial for me to go through the, the brainpower of, of battling that.
1: I, I agree. I mean, you know, th- th- there may come a time where it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm living a huge return on the table. It makes sense because, hey, selling a property, getting a new property, especially when this is a solid winner for you, you know, especially with, the, you know, the stress of a 1031, there mm-hmm. is value to that. doesn't yeah. show up in the spreadsheet, but there is value to it, you know? <laughs> so let's go back now and update if you can get a higher value on here. So we'll say $280,000 if you put in $20,000 of rehab, Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to come down here and add that to the selling cost of $20,000 to account for those costs in terms of selling it. Now, I'm assuming that you'd probably only put the money there if you were going to sell it, right? Like you want to do that for a cash out refi. Correct. Yeah. So now what that does, if you were to put the money in there and sell it, your, ca- your cash flow on the replacement property goes up to $4,500, which is $55 less than the keep it model. And then your overall return goes up to about $37,000. So, And that's if you're buying a new rental property. So your cash flow will be about the same compared to your current rental, to the new rental, if you do this upgrade, and then your overall return will go up some as well because you're buying you know, a bigger property or more expensive property. So therefore, are getting more appreciation, debt pay down, um, and all the other benefits as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So again, that's not a clear winner to me.
0: Curious if we scroll up what my cash out refinance uh, proceeds would be in that case.
1: So your cash out refi proceeds, looking at the max cash out refi, you'd be about $88,000. However, now your cash flow is basically break even, negative 400 bucks for the year. Yeah. So now since it's becoming a lot more valuable. Oh, but you know what? I did not increase the rents on here. Cuz you said it was 1450 with the rehab, right? Yeah, for sure. So let me bump up the rents on here cuz that was the other thing I meant to do. Okay, so you still get the same amount of cash flow or cash about $88,000 but now your cash flow the max cash out refi is $1700.
0: Oh, see now this is That becomes interesting. More appealing to me. Yeah, for sure. If I get to keep this property, still cash flow, and now I have almost $90,000 to redeploy. That's pretty exciting to me. Yeah.
1: So if we scroll down now to get an updated cumulative section, which is we add the existing property that Jenny owns and the new townhomes that Jenny would buy. You can't look at the the keep it model. The cash flow would go up because we increased the rents on there. And then the max cash out refi will give you about $5,000 a year in new income or new cash flow and about $40,000 in cumulative returns. And what gets interesting on here is now the spreadsheet, which highlights the highest cash flow model and the highest overall return. It says the highest cash flow is the keep it. And the highest return is the max out cash out refi or the max refi.
0: Yeah. With only really a $2,000 difference between the keep it and the max refi for the cash yearly cash flow. Yeah. um, For nearly $90,000 out of of pocket or back in my pocket. That's, that's pretty good. I would say.
1: (laughs) So, but with, with a great tenant in place though. Yeah. Would you, how long do you think that tenant will stay there?
0: I think he'd stay there quite honestly, um, as long as we keep rents reasonable for him. And I, I I truly do think that there's a benefit to that. Um, you know, I, I think that we probably would not consider doing any of these, uh, situations unless he were to tell us that he wanted to move out.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if you get a great tenant in there and it's minimal headache, don't Mm -hmm. kick out a great tenant and then spend $20,000 and have, you know, (laughs) two months of vacancy, get a new tenant in there. Like that's not worth it.
0: It's not worth it. Um,
1: I mean, from what the 30 minutes of us talking, what my gut says is keep the tenant in there right now. Don't do anything, but potentially do a cash out refi right now. If you want to pull out some equity, but in that as is model with no upgrades.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think m- my gut is definitely keep it as is, um, no upgrades, assuming that this tenant stays and consider doing the max refi. Yeah.
1: Cause that would actually probably your interest rate would probably be about the same, right? Cause your current interest rates mm-hmm. at 4.375. Yeah. So your interest rate should be about that or maybe even slightly lower as well.
0: I think it would depend on the what the actual cost of my refinance would yeah. be if, if I would think that it would be worth it in the long run. Because
1: I think it'd be in the in the low fours, would might you know what sounds like right now for investment cash out refis. So about the same okay. interest rate you have right now, four and a quarter, four and three eighths.
0: Okay. Hmm.
1: Okay. All right. So getting back to, um, I, hope, <laughs> I hope the listeners and viewers could follow all that on there, but th- this is one of the things that, I mean, we really enjoy doing, you know, Jenny and I are both very numbers oriented and like the financial modeling. And I always find when we do this with clients, like I, I enjoy it. And it's always fascinating because exactly what we did and like, we went and talked a few different scenarios. You manipulate the spreadsheet and then you weigh in the headache factor, uh, the factor of, hey, this property is a great winner. Is it worth touching it? Well, since you're getting you know crazy appreciation down there, it's an easy tenant, it's low maintenance on you. Yeah. Why rock the boat?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind exactly. of my <laughs> motto for this one.
1: <laughs> so what What do you... So Okay. So recap for us what you think your plan for this property will be.
0: So... Probably, in all honesty, just based on like my current capacity to take on anything else in life, I think I will just keep it uh, assuming and crossing my fingers that this tenant stays in place. I will just probably keep it and probably not refinance it um, just due to the I'm not really getting a better interest rate and I'm gonna have to pay. Uh, financing costs. I'm not really sure what, in its current state, that fifty thousand dollars, if that's really going to do it for me yeah. to go through um, that process.
1: So I got a, a curveball question here for you because last couple <laughs> weeks I've been I've been researching helocs for my primary residence, um, and one of the lenders or one of the banks I talked with, it's actually the first bank I talked to in a long time. They are still doing investment property helocs. Mm -hmm. at a 70% LTV. And it was like right around like, I think four and a half to 5% interest rate. It was like prime plus one, one and a quarter. Yeah. So would a HELOC potentially be an option for this property? Again, $40,000, whatever, would that be worth it for you right now?
0: So I actually have a HELOC on a different rental property with fairly similar numbers to this. And I don't know the ins and outs. I haven't really spent a lot of time researching it. But I do know at one point I pulled out the cash and I was going to do something with it. And my credit score took a crash um, because they're considering it revolving debt. So I immediately paid it back so that my credit score would go back up. Um, So like if you're going to balance that with taking out a long-term loan, I would really consider... Uh, Talking to someone who would know more on that subject and and get their opinion on how that will kind of come into play um, on your qualification.
1: And that's a great point. Before you start taking out loans, if you're looking to do a, a HELOC and buy at the same time, Talk to both lenders and probably a few other lenders and be very specific into the order of operations. And I'm doing that right now because I was looking at the, you know, getting the C-lock plan for later use and like, oh, I've got a few investments coming up. Like, oh, okay. Which one do I do first? And I'm having that conversation with a lender later today. All right. So, Jenny, thank you for putting your property in because this is really interesting. This is a scenario I haven't quite seen so far in some analyses I've run. So, I enjoyed it. And for our listeners out there and just, you know, people living in Colorado Springs, if anyone has questions out there or existing rentals and you want advice or you want us to plug your property spreadsheet like this, reach out to us. We are more than happy to. And we truly want to give you, like, you know, hey, here's scenarios, here's advice. And, you know, sometimes it's, hey, you you should sell it which obviously benefits us as agents, but a lot of times like, hey, you know what? I personally would keep it, or maybe consider doing a refi, but keep it, here's why. And we always try our best to put our, ourselves in your shoes and give you like, hey, real advice, because we look at this as building a long-term relationship and helping you f- do things to optimize your portfolio. So if you have any questions or any properties that you wanna run through to figure out if we should sell it, keep it, refinance it in the market, please reach out to me or Jenny, we are more than happy to do it. Jenny, any closing thoughts?
0: I don't think I asked you. What would you do if you were me?
1: What would I do if I were you? Yeah. I would keep this property for sure, just because it's simple and no headache. And then, you know, doing a cash out refi right now, I may do it if that if that dollars or $50,000 would be enough to help me like do the next you know, property or investment I want to do just kind of depends right now on like, you know, what's on the plate and what all my other capital is like for that amount of money right now, I probably would not do a cash out refi though. Do some quick mental thoughts. I would keep it. And then a year or two, or as the tenant turns, then I would reevaluate it. But if the tenant turns in two or three years, my guess is that's probably the time. Go in there, rehab it, sell it, and then 1031 it because these numbers would be a lot more exaggerated due to the appreciation. Mm-hmm. I
0: like so that. yeah, I would hold it. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to so make, for...
1: make me a partner in the property to continue giving you my opinion and advice?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> appreciate the offer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Jenny, this was fun. I always enjoy doing these with you, so thank you.
0: Likewise. Thanks,
1: Chris. All right. Thanks, everyone. If you have any questions, please reach out. We're always happy to chat.